Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. the next one on to the next one <laughs> the philadelphia union are headed to the eastern conference fi- uh, semifinals after advancing past the new england revolution in the first round of the mls cup playoffs we had a victory post game show last night thanks to all who tuned in and welcome in today to phoi union podcast as we've got to recap everything we've had a chance to sleep on it we've got to recap things we've got larry henry we've got jb zapata renee washington tyler zuli behind the camera and uh lots to talk about today it's a new day. It's a fun day because we can smile. We can be happy yeah. because also we now have a very long time until the union play again over two weeks. But guys, how did we feel this morning after a chance to sleep on last night's one nothing victory behind Chris Donovan's game winner off of Jack McGlynn's set piece and a chance to kind of like let everything soak in? Feel, feel a lot better than going into the game, right? <laughs> um, we were a little hesitant talking about uh, what union squad we were going to see, whether Kai Wagner would be there who would be playing um, overall. I thought it was a really, um, really strong performance from the, from the union last night, uh, being able to pick up the clean sheet, uh, Chris Donovan with the goal, Jack McGlynn uh, with the assist. Uh, I thought a lot of players who stepped, had a, stepped up big time. Uh, Olivier and comes into the mm-hmm. starting lineup first time in over a month. Um, didn't really put a foot wrong at all. So uh, overall, I thought it was a good win for the union. Uh, and now, like you said, Renee, a long, a little long period now until we get uh, to the Eastern Conference semifinals. It's gonna be twenty twenty four by the time we play Cincinnati. <laughs> that was a joke last night, but I, I'll be honest with you, I feel I, I felt a little cocky this morning. I'm not gonna lie. What you <laughs> a little cocky? cocky? Well, listen, we talked about it last night the rivalry that has been brewing between New England and Philadelphia, and specifically the Revs and the Union. And so, you know, it did feel good looking in my comment section and being like, what What was that scoreline? Mm, oh, God. Okay. Where, where are you, what are you doing in like next year? Yeah, that's right. We're going to be in the playoffs <laughs> still and you guys are going to be still sitting at home. But no, look, obviously, I'm proud of the guys in the locker or in the dressing room, sorry, because of the situation that we've been dealing with, whether mm-hmm. it be contracts or our, our investigation with, with the racial abuse. And these guys, it wasn't pretty. But no. they found a way to get it done in 90 minutes. And that, ladies and gentlemen, what is the most important part. So I, I definitely felt much better here today. I felt I felt much more proud to be a Union fan. It's been a while since I could say that as well. Wow. 
wow yeah. the the cockiness the optimism <laughs> JP, you're bringing all the positive vibes. Yes. I agree with you, Larry. I definitely felt better waking up today than I did yesterday. I was extremely nervous. I didn't know what to expect. I also uh, was just curious about, like, what type of union team are we going to see Wednesday night? And for the, them to come out the way that they did and grind out a victory, I know, just as we mentioned, Jim Curtin was saying post-game the same thing. Like, it wasn't the prettiest game, but... Right. You know, they fought and they found a way to win, which at this point in the season is the most important thing, to find a way to survive in advance. But I will say uh, it was nice to be able to kind of like breathe a little bit because mm -hmm. New England has been a team that you don't want to lose to them at all. And you definitely don't want to lose Wednesday night's game and have a game three because, as I always say, elimination games, game three, game five, game seven, depending on what the series is, is always anybody's series at that point. Yep. And so knowing that they took care of business in game two, they now get even extra time to rest. You don't have to rush back someone like Julian Carranza. You don't have to worry about um, anything else injury-wise. You can give guys a chance to rest. So it is very encouraging uh, because, yes, they got the job done. And now we can be we can celebrate. You know, I love that we Chris, breathe, Donovan, <laughs> Chris Donovan repping the Drexel Dragons as a LaSalle alum myself. No to JP's question yesterday. We were never <laughs> rivals or anything with Drexel. <laughs> Uh, I can proudly say that because I already, as Jim says, like you let your game do the talking and my game back then over 10, like now 10 years ago, almost the numbers don't lie. Drex was not a rival of ours, but still a city six school. So I love the fact that he's repping for Philly in more ways than one, but huge, huge, huge game. You guys make sure you're joining the conversation. How are you feeling today? Hit that like button, uh, whether you're live with us now or listening back on podcast platforms, let us know how you're feeling on victory Thursday. Hey. Uh, after a chance to sleep on the fact that the Philadelphia Union did win the first two games of the series. I, don't, I mean, some, even that in itself is kind of wild to think about. A clean sheet yesterday, three goals game one, and two solid performances that we saw from them. Looking back on the first <laughs> round. Okay, I'll be a little more optimistic after that, Larry. Looking back now, bigger picture, how does that make you feel? Definitely good, right? Because this is a this is two teams, the Union and the Revs. Obviously, a lot of history, um, a, a rivalry that's continuing to grow, and two teams that obviously played each other on Decision Day. They tied on the mo uh, same points in the regular season. Um, so a lot came into this series. Well, you know, who are we gonna who's gonna step up? Can the Union uh, play well on the road? Can New England play well on the road? Um, but Overall, I thought the union handled themselves really well. Um, last night, like you said, just grinded it out. Playoffs, it's not going to be pretty as long as you survive in advance, you move on. Uh, now you get to play uh, FC Cincinnati. And and overall, um, you know, again, like JP said too, proud of this team, uh, the way they were able to kind of overcome some adversity. No Kai Wagner, no Jacob Glesnes, um, no, no Julian Carranza. So overall, everyone, uh, I thought, did a great job. I, I definitely enjoyed Jim Curtin's post-match comments about yeah. the uh, the rivalry and like and like you guys said, doing your talking on the field because there was a lot of uh, chirping going on from the <laughs> Rev side of things before the game. But overall, the Union handled their business. Now you move on, uh, and the Revs will be on the golf course. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that Jim press conference. I absolutely love me some Jim sound bites. But it feels like a lot of this playoffs and these two games that they played so far, everything set up against the Philadelphia. You look mm. at game one, you look at this this whole entire year. The thing with the Union has been inconsistency. They're not scoring like they have been. They're allowing way too many goals than they have been before. And going to game one, you had that conversation. 
You had the talks about the contracts with Kai Wagner and with Ali mm-hmm. Bedoya. And despite all that, they came out and looked really good in game one. All right. Now you switch to game two. We got to wait 10 days for that bad boy. And then on top of the drama that you had before that, now you got a whole investigation of racial abuse with Kai Wagner. You got to go into the box bar into Gillette Stadium where you typically don't play the best. And they found a way to get a win with a Chris Donovan goal nonetheless. And so this team, it's, it's funny, Allie's words after the game, the union way. And what does that exactly mean? It means getting the job done no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what people are saying, even if they are doubting you in the MLS Cup, you still find a way to make it a game. But I, I, the resiliency from this bunch, you, you, can't, you can't just praise them enough. It's, it's incredible what they've been doing. Yeah, it's it kind of reminds me of like a a, a boxing match and like away. the fighters. union are like Muhammad Ali in the ring and it's just like they're just getting hit. There it's a rope of dope. They're taking all the punches <laughs> and they're just going round after round and it's like how many more punches can they take? And I'm hoping they they punch back. I'm hoping that there's a change, but it is wild when you think about prior to the first round our conversations were the news broke around Ali Bedoya. The news that we had been continuing to follow around Kai Wagner. How is the team going to handle this? Their captain's been, you know, told he's not coming back next year. One of your best players in Kai Wagner is possibly not coming back. We saw the crypto, you know, the types of uh, posts he's making. His mm-hmm. his significant other, his wife's making the same types of posts about their future. And last time in Philly, last playoff games, all these things that we're reading between the lines. And then fast forward, because it's been over a couple weeks now, fast forward, we're now having totally different conversations. So it is incredibly insane to me when I think about how much this team has been through in the last couple of weeks alone, let alone the fact that through all of this, they've only played two games since the decision day. And that was October 21st. It is November 9th. And since then you've only played two games. And then now you have to wait again until after Thanksgiving to play again. I know we made the joke before JP on the show that the series started and you're picking out your Halloween costumes. And by the time you get into round two, you're now finishing up carving turkeys and like wiping your face from all the, the mashed potatoes and stuffing and turkey and ham that you've just inhaled. That's the, that's the reality of things. Like this is such a long, long, long stretch for a postseason on top of an already chaotic time. I wonder if it almost would have been easier if the union had quicker games, I, I don't know. And we won't know at all, of course, but like, I wonder if it hurts them or helps them to have these long breaks. Injury wise, definitely helps. Jacob Glessness, Julian Carranza, these guys definitely helps them out. But mentally, everybody's going through the same challenges, but now you sprinkle in these other issues. I don't know how much that helps. I don't know. I mean, I think for sure because they this bunch has kind of gone through that in a, in a sense. Obviously, last year they did have the bye, and the year before they also did as well. That's true. So maybe they are a little experienced, but also because these guys have just been together for so long, they believe in Jim and the system and the philosophy. So I do think that that's been able to help them out here. Obviously, this this group has been banged up and they've been playing a lot of soccer. So being able to have that break definitely does help. Uh, I think that going forward, my concern not per se is mentals, but it, it is talent. And it's weird to say that with the union in 23, but we'll we'll see going forward in the playoffs.
And it's going to be tough too, right? Because we have now we have another long gap. And oh, by the way, you toss in the international break. <laughs> so you're going to have like Ty Baribo wasn't in the squad last night. He's already jetted off to go be part of the Israel national team. They have four games over this break, right. not two, because obviously all the actions that went on in Israel and continue to go on there. But during the October window, their games got postponed. So now they have four crammed in a short period of time. Uh, and then you add in the guys like Daniel Gazdag, Andre Blake, um, other guys that will most likely be involved with their national teams uh, for duty. So knock on that wood that, uh, you know, no one gets hurt and we're going to have everyone come back healthy. Jacob Glesnes, we might see him yes. uh, if the union run the table and get to MLS cup, he could be there. Um, Kai Wagner, obviously, we know won't be there until MLS Cup at the earliest due to the suspension. Um, so, but overall, I think it's just next man up mentality. We saw that last night. We had guys come in. Quinn Sullivan delivered a strong performance. Chris Donovan off the bench. Uh, Joaquin Torres off the bench. Olivier Mbizo uh, starting at right back. So overall, um, you know, hats off to the Union. Now it's on to Cincinnati because you know. Now you know you're going on the road uh, ne this next coming round, uh, and they haven't played particularly well on the road um, throughout the season, except for last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, Eugene Krabs, welcome in. I know you're hey. asking where everyone's at. Let's get the conversation going in the chat. Drop your thoughts. Drop your comments. I know, Jose, you're sharing a quote from Bueno on Curtin talking about how he's always demanding and giving respect to every player, Amen. and you consider him a true winner. I look at this group as kind of, I'm going to make, an, I love making analogies, guys. It's just, I have all this information in my brain I feel like I need to share. Um, it just reminds me of King Leonidas and 300 and Spartans, um, and that's what the union are also feeling like right now. So if maybe the Muhammad Ali comparison wasn't on, I'm going to go with that one too, that it just feels like this is a group that's, outnumbered in a lot of ways or outmatched in a lot of ways. Uh, in this case, it's the, the outside noise. It's the issues going on around Kai Wagner and him, um, you know, what from the contract to the racial slur, it's all the question marks, it's the injuries. And yet King Leonidas, AKA Jim Curtin keeps leading the union to impress and, and find ways to win. And so I think for me, looking at yesterday's victory was exactly that moment that you have Chris Donovan, who hasn't scored a goal since in MLS play since July, he scored an MLS next goal. He scored league's cup goal. Hasn't scored a goal in MLS play since July. You have Nate Harrell who had arguably your next best chance that went off the post in the first half off of a set piece. He now was knocking on the door for his second playoff goal. And he's only played five games. Um, was it four postseason games, five total game, regular season games or something low yeah. You have Jack McGlynn, who's been steadily rising and getting better. I know Larry did a great piece on Jack McGlynn, yeah. who delivers a beautiful assist, also had one of the best chances that squeaked just wide of the near post. It's it's Quinn Sullivan, another one that's come into the mix, and his minutes have continuously been getting improving and increasing, and his role's been improving. It's not Daniel Gazdag. It's not... You know, Jacob Glesnes. It's not Kai Wagner. It's the youngsters. It's the homegrowns that are that are literally lifting this team up. And obviously Andre Blake, we all, we agreed was hands down the best player of the match for the union yesterday. The saves he made, even that offside call had it been onside, didn't matter. Andre Blake was still going to, was still going to make the save. He gets the clean sheet and without a doubt keeps that game going. But you look at those youngsters, you talk about Torres, Jose Nunez in the chat. Uh, yeah. First appearance since, uh, since August 30th, yeah. where he played nine minutes. And I was going back looking at the minutes he's played 
Chris Donovan's played. You know, they haven't logged a lot of minutes. And in a game that you can now close out, advance, you have Torres, Donovan stepping up. And imagine, as you talk about the question we'd ask if it did not go well, agreed. You're a player <laughs> up. You make that questionable substitution. We all talked about it off the show. Chris Donovan and, and Joaquin Torres come in. Jose Martinez goes out. Now, Jim did clarify, and we all knew it. Jose was not supposed to be subbed out at that moment. But once he was grabbing at his hamstring, it was aggravating him. They quickly grabbed Torres and put him in for, um, for Jose. So he wasn't supposed to come out. But we were going to see Chris Donovan as the first sub instead of Bueno or Flock. I mean, the bench is limited. It's Matt Real. It's some, Pick it's, your poison. <laughs> yeah, it's not a lot of depth, which has been something that in itself has been an issue. Yet, despite all of us being very concerned at that substitution, it's Chris Donovan that ends up getting the, the game winner, of course. But even Torres played very well and showed why, okay, it, Jim Curtin made the right decision. So uh, that part for me was very encouraging that you're seeing guys who, even us watching, are kind of like, whoa, why are you doing that? Why are you making that substitution? Pays off in a big way that they're able to make the most of those minutes. And that's what I want to see more of too, right? You want to see guys under that pressure situation because anybody in you know, a lot of teams obviously the depth they have you can bring off a star, bring a star player off the bench like you know like an lafc or teams that mm -hmm. have that um that that embarrassment of riches on the bench whereas the union don't really have that uh right now like you said renee i mean looking at the bench last night you have torres bueno flock donovan raffinello uh and then you yeah. have uh real mm -hmm. so not a lot of guys that you look at it, listen, like think that they're going to be scary coming into the game. But overall, they're guys that have points. They have points to prove. They want to be part of this team, uh, not only this season, but long term. And uh, they want to show that they can come out there and help this team uh, win MLS Cup. And obviously, we know what happened last year. You get there. It's the next step in that kind of that uh, development of this this roster. And uh, overall, I just think that this is just crucial minutes for these guys. And I think that's going to pay off into the later rounds of this these playoffs. Absolutely. You know what this is all called, guys? This is all part of the union way, ladies and gentlemen, oh, the yeah. Philly way. What happens when Carson Wentz and when Jason Peters goes down? You have Nick Foles. You have Big V stepping up. All right. That's the Philly way. And when you have guys who are down and guys are being suspended, Others are stepping up, especially the young homegrowns, the kids mm -hmm. as well, stepping a big way. We talked about Nathan Harrell last night and the big role that he stepped up. I want to give a big shout out to my boy, Jimmy King here. Make sure you guys follow him on Jimmy King 35 on Twitter. He put down the stats of last night, 90 minutes for Nathan Harrell. Mm -hmm. His passes, 37 of 37. That's guys, that's a hundred percent. Two for two on his long passes. He was great with the tackles, seven clearances, nine recoveries and playing on the opposite side of where he typically plays. Mm -hmm. And I, to me, he's kind of the emphasis of this union way, stepping yeah. up when you need someone to step up the most. And I thought that was spectacular. You talked about Quinn Sullivan stepping up in the way. So you're getting the effort. You got guys who are obviously bought into Jim. Obviously, Jim is Jim at this point. But again, we're having the same issues with the attack. And last night we talked about, you know, with the, the, the struggles, not the struggles, but the concerns at the width. Obviously, Nate not playing on the right side, and Olivier, your your worries with, on defense. The attack had to obviously be a little bit more narrow. You had to attack more centrally for sure, and we saw a lot of spacing issues. And I'm curious about your thoughts. We wanted to ask you here, Larry, as well. But like the attack, that final third still seems to be missing here. And I don't know at this point in the season if there's anything that can be done. Yeah, it's tough, right? I think it's confidence right now in those guys, Ura and 
and uh, Carranza and, and Gazda right now look, dipping a little bit. But overall, I just think that even Quinn Sullivan, right, he comes in. Um, you know, obviously, we, we learned about Carranza's injury early, early in the week. Sullivan comes in, a lot of great vertical running, had a few good chances that he missed. Uh, I'm sure he would want them back because you you give it to him again, he's probably going to bury it. Um, but overall, I just think that, again, it's that next man up mentality. Sullivan comes in, has a good performance, doesn't get a goal, but overall good yeah. for his confidence. Great for Chris Donovan, who, like you said, Renee, hasn't had a lot of goals this season. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Jillian, obviously, in the chat, two game winners hey. now yes. uh, this Great season. Point, so, so hats off to Chris because it's a guy that – has made the most of his time in next pro come up and, and performed well. Um, but yeah, you really, you still want your star players to show up. We haven't maybe seen uh, the best from God's dog in the final third. Uraz, Uraz as well. And Karanza, but I think they're going to, they're going to fix that They're You know, I think once the goals come, they're going to start flowing for this team. But again, you need the goals. And, and with this next round coming up, you have a long layoff. Everyone hopefully gets rested, recovered, healthy. Um, then you go and play an FC Cincinnati side that right now is without their two top defenders uh, going into that game. So I think the odds uh, might be against the Union, but overall, right now it's looking pretty good if you're the Union front three needing a goal. And by the way, this team you're playing is not going to have its top two center backs for that game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know we'll be able to dive deeper into all of that because you're right. Like when you're looking ahead at FC Cincinnati – there's a matchup opportunity there that's huge for the union. Uh, that next man up mentality, Jillian, that you're commenting yes. on that JP was talking about, you know, that's exactly what we see from Philly day in and day out. Who would expect the Sixers to have the best record, be tied with the best record in the NBA after last night's win over the Boston Celtics and Joel Embiid <laughs> be carrying the team? Uh, who would expect that even the Flyers, five wins on the season, nobody expected them to do much of anything this year. The union definitely were counted out, especially after we started seeing the injuries, everybody was comparing their offensive production to last year's because last year was historic. It's it hard was. to duplicate that and have those same numbers the following year. As we talked about in the postgame show, teams have the playbook out on the union. They've made adjustments defensively. They've been matching up with Daniel Gazdag specifically, but also looking at the front three, you don't see as much from Uwa. You don't see as much from Carranza. You don't see as much from Gazdag. It has been the other guys that have been able to you know, create for you and have a little bit more. They're just, it seems like they're playing a little bit more freely. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's my concern because down the stretch, as much as we love the minutes that Torres gave him and Donovan in their 23 minutes, did a really good job of helping and just they each generate a shot. Obviously Donovan's went in. Um, you look at the production of Nathan Harriel, one of the higher productions as you we were reading the stats across the team in terms of like near goal scoring chances. He had, you know, a, a shot that he created that one off the post. Oh, yeah, Damian right. Lowe even stepping into the attack on <laughs> set pieces and different things. So you you like the fact that the other guys are stepping up, but you still need more from your top dogs down the stretch. It's playoff time, and you're going to need them to be able to get wins and results. Uh, welcome in HC. Dupe to hey. you as well. Eugene Crab, same <laughs> thing. I know you said poop. But we're going dupe. It could have been a poop, but it was a dupe last night. Could have been. But it is, it's it's great to see the way that they, the union have embodied. I, I love the comparison to the Eagles Super Bowl win, winning year because this is a, the same type of fight of the union that we're seeing. I'm not saying right now definitively they're going to go on and win the MLS so Cup. I love that. there's a chance. <laughs> not, there's always a chance. You're still alive. You're still playing more games. So there's always a chance for anybody still alive. But you do see those similarities between the union and other Philly teams of just 
next player up mentality, finding ways to win, finding ways to grind out results. And Jim Curtin's post-game thoughts were very consistent with that same thing of just how proud he is that they were able to, you know, come out and win, take care of business. They talked about wanting to win in, in the first two instead of forcing and allowing, I should say, for a game three. And even being shorthanded for a lot of reasons, as Jim was talking about, you know, for the guys to step up and play the way they did, he he loved it. We we all did. I mean, this this was probably the biggest question marks for us around who's next, how they're going to play, how they're going to step up. And yes, as Jim mentioned, and as we all know, the red card to Mark Anthony, Kai being down a player for the remainder for the entire second half. And the last couple minutes of the first half for new England doesn't help them at all. Mm-hmm. It definitely helps the union, but as we know, and as we talked about, it didn't ever seem like it was an 11 v 10 game. It was still, unfortunately, very evenly matched. That's slightly concerning to me. But the Revs had a lot of fight in them, too. And now to see the Union be able to find a way to get a win and find a way to grind that out was awesome to see. Uh, Lauren Michaels, basically, that's what I said. (laughs) They're winning the cup. That's it, guys. We just compared them to the Eagles Super Bowl championship team. Bam. That's all we show over. Actually, that's all we needed to talk about. (laughs) That's a wrap. The union are going to win the cup. (laughs) But Eugene saying, I feel like this union team would have a similar fate to the 2018 Eagles and not the 2017 birds. Oh man. You know, Eugene, you didn't throw the interception. (laughs) You didn't have to go there. Uh, the goat Donovan, the trap man saying, yeah, I mean, it just, there's, there's definitely a lot of positives that now we're talking about Chris Donovan, Drexel Dragon alum, you know, as the game winner and the hero of the squad. So exciting times right now for now that we can bask in. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. And I mean, I think Jim is the most important part about all this guys. Like he's to me, the one constant there, he's still here. And against Colin PA for new England, that was obviously the big mismatch. And, you know, we talked about it yesterday. Like I felt like it was catered for new England to win game two. I feel like a lot of just what Jim emphasizes was the big reason why we won. And obviously I loved his comments at the end of the game uh, at the press conference, you know, this whole generational thing, young players and new mentality talking a lot too much crap. I don't know if, if it's just because the MLS has just become a much, much more better quality league. And now guys seem like they can tell, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I thought that was an interesting topic. And I, I started thinking about that one too. In my mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm curious your guys' thoughts in the chat. Welcome in, Adam, um, HC, Tradman, Eugene. I'm curious your thoughts, uh, Lauren, about the chirping that we've seen from guys. A lot more trash talking. And as Jim Curtin was talking about post game, it's not just guys that are playing and impacting the game. It's guys that aren't seeing minutes or guys that don't really have a big role on their respective teams across the league. But as we can all probably agree, it's acro- across sports that you're seeing a lot more chalkboard material where guys are coming into press conferences or on social media or whatever it is, turping, talking trash. And I also was one that grew up with the whole mindset of, you do your talking on the field. Amen. Like the best way to shut someone up is to put the ball in the back of the net. Amen. And now you can, that's all I needed to say. But we are seeing a shift and I'm going to take it a step further and be the 31 year old that I am and say <laughs> that it's this new generation, this younger generation's influence from social media possibly. Oh. Where like nowadays you have so much more of a platform to just say whatever you want to say, do whatever you want to do without having to worry about like anything essentially like you can literally post or say whatever you want. And even people have like trolls have always been out there. That's always been a thing. But now with social media, you see more people getting into beefs and whatever other mess or just like, 
posting these controversial things. I don't know. I, a part of me is like kids these days um, kind of feels like we're getting a little bit more of that. It used to be Eugene Crabs is talking about Dennis Rodman and, and those types of players. I know um, Jim was talking about like Taylor Twellman and, and Clint Dempsey, guys that would yeah. just... I'm going to beat you every time I go against you. I'm going to knock you off the ball. I'm going to win the 50-50. I'm going to score. I'm going to, my team's going to beat your team every time. And that's how I'm talking trash. So I don't know if it's an age thing, but that's kind of how I'm feeling about that debate. (laughs) I was pretty shocked too going into it because uh, Matt Polster was the kind of the the unnamed unnamed target uh, of Jim's press conference. when he Yeah, he's a veteran guy. He's been around the league. He's played with Chicago and and now with, with New England and, some other some other teams in the mix, but uh, yeah, I was just kind of shocked by it, right? Because this is a veteran guy; he's been around. Um, you know, kind of hinted at the ref should the ref should do more after Carlos Hill got got injured in the first game, and maybe we'll target some of their players. And I'm thinking, okay, as soon as I see that, I'm tweeting it out. Okay, that's going to be a fine for Matt Polster right there, then and there, mm-hmm. saying that they're going to target uh, guys on the union. But but uh, but good for Jim because I mean, obviously, he's always been a team guy. He stands up for his players. He comes out and talks about it after the game. And it wasn't only this game. He even hinted at the FC Cincinnati New York Red Bull series yes. as well, which mm-hmm. he has an eye on it. He's obviously keeping an eye on it because the winner of that series would have sure. played uh, the winner of the FC Cincinnati series. And um, so, and obviously the Red Bulls were a little, a little bit like that after they win the wild card round, they smoke Charlotte FC five, uh, two, and then they probably figure, okay, we're going to, we don't care if FC Cincinnati's number one seed um, we're going to take care of business and, and end up being the other way around. And now FC Cincinnati's moving on and the Red Bulls are going home. Um, but overall, uh, I just think it's good for, good for Jim. And, and like you said, Renee, you want to go out and um, you want to go out and obviously just do your talking on the field. That's mm-hmm. the best way you do. The other person could be talking to you. Just focus on your game. Um, and the best way to shut somebody up is to send them home. Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly was a very big trash talker. I have no problem admitting that, but as uh <laughs> the competitive edge and you never <laughs> me no uh but i know i'm gonna read some of the comments in the chat not all of them eugene crabs i'm looking at you is that you know Travman saying it can be good for the sport it makes rivals between teams and players better and adds another level i agree with you i know hc you're also talking about it does allow you know players are always looking for an edge and looking to get in their opponent's heads a little bit uh jillian you're saying you don't see bryce harper talking trash he just goes and smashes the ball and Stares you down as he rounds the bases. That's how it's done. Bingo. Jalen Hurts, Bryce Harper. Like, you rarely hear Joel Embiid actually talk trash. He's gotten better, though, in his older age. Yes. And especially since becoming a dad and getting married. But you do see typically the better players aren't talking trash. They're letting their game speak for them. But I will say, I will say, I think there needs to be some level of, like, competitive trash talking because it's fun. Sports are fun. We're not talking about, like, brain surgery or anything or politics like we're talking sports so i do enjoy the small trash talk here and there um when you see on the field or the ice or you know the court or any whatever the sport is you know someone jump in someone's face a little oh, bit sure. or you make a big play and yeah you know you celebrate like i love that oh that's <laughs> that's what gets me high now i'm out of my chair i'm like let's go so you do need i'm getting hyped up right now it does raise the energy the intensity like we're not playing tennis or golf we're out here doing the little like this isn't a poetry contest of the snaps like i want you (laughs) fired up so i love trash talking to an extent i just do not like when it's 
people that do not have a role on the team. I think mm-hmm. that's where the line is for me. If you don't play minutes, if you're like a reserve player that comes out and just kind of blends in, don't talk trash. It just it's not a good look because you're not good. Yeah. You're it's almost like a like a fan talking trash, but I'm not in the game. I don't have any implication. I can talk trash because it doesn't I'm just a fan. But if you're like a bench player or even like a Matt Polster coming out with those comments and you you've not a, you're not a bench player, you start, you make you you know, you're out there, but it just is not what a good look. It's not a good like if Carlos, if, if Hill's talking trash, go right, go ahead, do your thing. You're one of the best in the league. Trash talk away. If, you know, even, I don't know who from the union is, would be a huge, huge trash talk outside of Jose. Uh, yeah, um, Jose's talking trash, go for it. But don't be a guy that we barely notice on the pitch and you're out there running your trap, giving bulletin board material. So yeah, I agree, Jillian. Only talk trash if you can back it up. If you're riding the bench, and not going to contribute. <laughs> Quiet that noise. We don't want to hear from you. And yes, Eugene, I definitely got goals and yellow cards. I did not lead the league. I never got a red card. Actually, I knew, I knew how to talk my way out of it. But uh, you know what else I can talk you into, and that's Hero Bread because Hero Bread is a great opportunity for you to eat healthy, nutritious options for your rolls, your sandwiches, your wraps, whatever it is that you're looking to dive into. Especially as it's the holidays and we're eating a lot more. In the next month and some change, make sure you're eating healthy. Now, what I love about Hero Bread is they actually took time to put together recipes and bread options that regardless of allergies, diet, dietary constraints, or anything else, they have bread wraps, rolls that will fit everybody and whatever their needs are. So over at Hero Bread, you guys are able to type in uh, PHLY at hero.co to get a nice 10% off of your purchase. And at Hero Bread, you have a chance to have delicious and healthy. No more of these days of having to choose one or the other. Delicious food can also be healthy. So over at Hero Bread, what I like about them and what I have come to notice that they do a good job of is giving you bread that's going to be high fiber, low carbs, and also giving you um, a nice option of ultra low net carbs, zero gram sugar per slice. So now when you have that breakfast burrito, that wrap at lunch, you know, that sandwich for dinner, you can have fewer calories than the leading national brand and eat well while you're doing it. So head on over to hero.co, use that PHLY code and get 10% off. All right, let's keep the comments in the chat going. I know we're all over the place with uh, our comments now, but keep the comments going. And uh, let's, if you're listening on podcast platforms after tag us, let us know your thoughts because it was a, it was Please. a lot. It was a lot around the trash talking. Um, was there anything else that jumped out at you that Jim spoke about post game or even uh, since the game, I should say, that you guys have noticed in the last, it's been like 20 hours-ish, 18 hours since the game ended. So if I can do that math in my head quickly. <laughs> so anything else that's changed in the last 18 hours for you guys from what you've seen? I think I've nailed everything. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, I guess the, the good news is obviously Julian Carranza and his status yeah. going yes. forward. We were all a little hesitant. Okay, hamstring injury. Um, what, how long could that mean for him? Uh, now we have a long gap. Uh, Jim did say that if it did go to a game three this coming Sunday that he would have been there. Mm-hmm. So that's good news, obviously. Um, we know ham, hamstring injuries can be kind of tricky to, to judge. Um, but overall, he, he wants to be out there. He wants to help deliver MLS Cup. And uh, that's great news, right? Because obviously we know Kai Wagner is not going to be there against Cincinnati. Uh, Jacob Lesnis will probably not be there against Cincinnati unless something changes. Um, but you should see Julian Carranza, which is great. You want to have your your one of your leading scorers there. 
No, that's that's absolutely huge. I mean, I do believe if you would have had him yesterday, it would have been an easier game in my honest opinion. But that hamstring is nagging for him, and we have to make sure we keep monitoring. We'll, obviously, we'll have more than enough time for that next matchup against Cincinnati. Uh, but I'm happy to hear that news. I'm obviously keeping an eye out on this attack. They definitely they need a, a spice or something, a changeup or something in the way they just move and attack, especially in that final third. So it'll be definitely huge to see. I'm interesting to see. Because Jim's talked a lot about Quinn and his production and his practice. You know how important practice is for Jim. Mm -hmm. And he's had, from what I heard from Jim, what, five weeks of the best? Best five weeks yeah. of his career. Yeah. And so does that change Jim's decision a little bit? You know, we talk about this week bench. I mean, you know, if you put Carranza coming off your bench, it's, that's a really good option, you know, when you got tired legs for 60, after 60 minutes. So. We'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was encouraged, I guess. Uh, Jim liked the first half production. Um, he thought that they were they did a good job being compact in their defensive shape. I definitely agreed with that. I know, yeah. Lauren, you're saying in the chat you were proud of the, the back four last night. Lowe yeah. has really been a great spot this season. I, I do think Lowe's had some ups and downs for sure. We talked about on the postgame show yesterday. But we're seeing him trending more in the right direction of just being consistently uh, a steady defender. If he can continue to play smart, he plays aggressive. He has, in my opinion, really been evolving, evolving as a leader and a voice for the team. And I thought defensively it got better as the game went on. The first 10 minutes or so, I was a little bit concerned with the defensive shape. Felt like they were very flat. But after 10 days, I kind of expected that. But on the other side, for the first half in general, Jim felt like, you know, defensively was where he thought they did a good job. And it made it hard for the refs to, to break through them and, and find gaps to, you know, unbalance them defensively. It just wasn't great in how they were attacking. And that's what we talked about, yeah. you know, yesterday of just they did such a good job being compact defensively. But now you have to figure out a way to as soon as you win it, quickly transition, get yeah. your shape, get heels to the sideline, stretch the field, find more width. Um, and even when they went to a 4-2-3-1, you saw a little bit more of the movement that was there. But overall, that's something that, uh, you know, still wasn't great. So part of that is when you have the compact shape, you're unable to find spaces, the stats aren't great. And looking at yesterday's stats, let's take a look at some of the numbers from last night because it's surprising to me. The most important stat is that top stat. I always say that. I sound like a broken ta uh, hmm. tape record. The most important stat is the top one, 1-0. One and the targets, shots on target, were in favor of the union as well, four to three. Um, shots off target, five to three, and blocks, 10 to two. And so, you know, I, defensively, those 10 blocks, I can think of a number of those. I saw Damian Lowe with some blocks. I saw, um, you know, Jose trailing back and Ali Badoya getting some blocks. That part of it looked really good. But I was really surprised, guys, about the shots because I, I didn't expect that many. Uh, shots on target even um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the for the you did yeah no and I mean, that's what, one thing we've always talked about as well is the quality of shots and obviously last night you didn't have a high quality of shots per se um, but you know that's part of what we talked about that final third and one thing that we didn't talk a lot about last night was the counterattacking. like I, I just felt like once like you had that low block and you're going 90 yards the other way that's something like the union have always thrived in I haven't really seen that as of late and last night they get the ball near their, you know, in their zone and they're going on the other end. And it just like, where's the sense of urgency? Like where, like where, where's that oomph that I'm looking for on a unique counterattack? That just hasn't been there as well. But no, the, the quality of shots have to have to improve. And, you know, we talked about Carranza, maybe him coming back in that next mm -hmm. one. That'll definitely help for sure. But that's one thing overall throughout the year we, we definitely have struggled with. 
I think too, right? Because uh, you want to see just more quality shots, but you also want to just see guys take chances, right? Because how many times do we see even in a home game where, you know, Jose Martinez is not the most known goal scorer in the union, but he'll try things. He'll try a 30 yard oh, we shot. Tried he'll, last try, night. <laughs> he'll try a 25 yard shot. Um, we, I want to see that out of the strikers. Definitely. Ura mm-hmm. and, and, and Sullivan had a few chances. Um, just, just test your luck, man. Like that's, that's your, that's what you are known for is to score goals. Um, and overall, we're, like you said, uh, JP, we're not seeing a lot of guys really test that. Um, they're trying to make the right pass, and 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 you do, and you want to try. But not every goal is going to be Manchester City with twenty passes and you score, or or Real Madrid, you know, thirty passes and you score. You gotta just t- take some chances, um, try it. You have goal scorers on this team, uh, and then like fl- flipping to the other side, I just thought it was crazy too defensively how solid they were in Gustavo Bu. Mm. One shot on goal. Carlos Hill, zero shots on goal. It's not often you see both of those guys limited like that. Um, and what could have been uh, Gustavo Bo's final game with yeah. the Reds. Uh, and, and obviously, um, you know, he's been, he's been crucial for them since his time in MLS. But um, I was shocked to see them down a goal. They sub him off. You need a goal. You're taking yeah. off. You're, you're prolific striker yep. at that point um but overall again that just shows you the next man up mentality from the union defensively and i thought they did a great job of just frustrating uh new england and andre blake made some key saves and that was that was something we, we talked about last night as well like why would you take gustavo ball with like 10 minutes left in the match mm-hmm. and you know the, the previous two games he had two shots that typically andre blake would have saved and he got goals off of them and so, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm definitely happy that we probably won't have to see Bell for the next couple of years here uh, for the New England Revolution. And it's it's going to be interesting. Obviously, a lot of risks were taken last night. But I want to talk to you guys about a risk that you guys can take as well. Obviously, buying tickets for games can be a little bit of risk. That's why we got the Game Time app for you guys here today. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, right before the match or game, wherever you guys are going, you know, you, you go tailgating, you want to head in the game, you don't have tickets, well, check out the Game Time app, the best deals Right before and if, right before the game, and of course, if you guys are a first-time buyer, you can use the the promo code PHLY for twenty dollars off of your purchase. So make sure you guys check out the Game Time app, and thank you to our sponsor here today, the Game Time app. Yes, it is. It's uh, as we're talking about these the stats. You know, Quinn Sullivan gets three shots yesterday. Gazdag a trio of shots. You also saw Jose. I know Jose's been one that. You know, one of the best things about him is not only does he do a good job defensively covering so much ground and being able to stop transition and tracking back, but also offensively not afraid to shoot. And there were a couple of those shots, Jose, that were a little bit, (laughs) you know, interesting, I should say, in terms of (laughs) shot selection. But I've always been a shooter shoot type of person because in this sport, you don't get wins by out possessing your team or playing pretty soccer like you're talking about, Larry, trying to have 20 passes. There are no bonus points. You can have one pass before the goal. You can have 20 passes before the goal. It's still going to count as just one goal. There's there's no advantage to that. You need to find a way to put the ball in the back of the net. So I do love the fact that Jose is one consistently that we see that adds that extra where he's not afraid to shoot, not afraid to take chances. And I would love to see more of that from other guys, Daniel Gazdag being one of that. So those stats to me were very surprising because I definitely was, I know it was 11 to two that the union had outshot the revs in the first half and to me it looked like it was a lot more even than that that's startling to me that you had 11 shots in the first 45 and i only i remember the post by nate harriel but that's pretty much all i remember in terms of like a truly a really good chance 
that they had in the first half. So very concerning that, uh, you know, the union generate a lot of numbers, but what's the quality of those numbers of chances? What's the quality of those shots that we're seeing? But it's it's definitely been very interesting when you look at the, the across the board, the yeah. numbers that we've seen in terms of the production. Yeah, I know Lauren is saying he hit that one, <laughs> that one <laughs> goal this year. season. Uh, so you better believe he's shooting that every time. Yeah, I'm I agree with you. I agree with you. We saw once once Jose had that possible goal of the year. He's been ever, ever since just continuing to shoot like that. All right. So we have let's let's take a look at a little bit deeper into the numbers and uh, talk through some other stats, because not only was it surprising, the number of shots, the final number of shots, 19 to eight in favor of the union. But the total expected goals, one point two to point four mm-hmm. for the union and just four, as we know, four of those shots on target compared to the revs, three shots on target. So to generate 19 shots and statistically only 1.2 of those expected to actually go in says a lot about the quality of those shots. And that's a number that as you look at the stats, and I know I was pulling up a whole bunch of stats. There's an incredible picture that you can paint through that passing accuracy, the shots, shots on goal, possession in favor of the Reds, um, passing accuracy in favor of the Reds, total passes in favor of the Reds. Shots obviously in favor of the union, but the expected goals, the potential chances that you're shooting that that could go in, very low for mm-hmm. having that many shots at a game. Not good, guys. Yeah, it was it was tough too, right? Because Nate Harrell uh, hits the post, like you said. Um, Quinn Sullivan had a really good chance in the first half on the counter, uh, cuts in on his right from the left side of the box and just misses the right post. Um, but yeah, those are the two that really stuck out to me is, okay, these are, these are chances that they're going to, if the revs do take a lead, then they look back at, oh, we should have made our chances. Mm -hmm. Those are two we look back on. Um, but overall, I think the union we've heard Jim obviously talk about before they don't need, they don't want, they're not, they're not okay with the possession. They're not Manchester city who want 80% of the possession. Right. Yeah. Putting up six goals a game. Um, you know, they'll take 30% possession and still win 2 nothing, or mm-hmm. win one nothing, or 2-1. They're, they're okay with that, and they're a good enough team that they can do that. They're sound defensively. Yes, they're missing some key defenders, but they're still sound defensively. They still have the best goalkeeper, in my opinion, in the league, and Andre Blake. Um, they have a number six in, in Jose Martinez who can do so much in front of the back line and cover so much ground and pester the op- opposing team's attackers. Um, so uh, it is worrying, um, but I think, again, we will see this attack. Once the goals come, I think you're going to start seeing them flow a little more. But again, it is the playoffs. You're not going to see – I don't. as you go further in the playoffs, you might not see the, the, the 5-2 where the Red Bulls beat Charlotte FC. The four, uh, the four goals that Sporting KC puts up against St. Louis – D- teams are going to want to grind it out, win it in extra time, you know, win it in penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's play. You know, you see that obviously in the playoffs. We saw that in MLS Cup. So um, I think we're going to see that go for the Union. And and again, I think that confidence just needs to be kicked on a little bit. And I think goals will definitely help that. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously the Union have had their obstacles this year. You know, possession something that's been a little bit different this year. When you know we talked about. They've typically, you know, averaged like 30 some percent of possession, you know, even like last year when they're scoring like six, seven goals a game. You look a lot of the games this year, you know, they're in the 40 percentile, like when it comes to possession, it's definitely something different. And, you know, for them being used to playing without the ball, 
something they have to adjust to. And they've struggled at times this year with that as well. But, you know, on a night like last night, when you're obviously looking at these stats, the one thing you can clearly tell, like, it, it was a it was a sloppy game. It was a grit and grind type mm-hmm. of game. And the union dug deep into their for them into themselves and they found a way to get that goal. And they defensively, I thought their structure was solid throughout the match. And they did exactly what they had to do. And it was a real mental game last night for it, 90. It, it definitely was. And a big part of why it was so mental, obviously, the news around Kai Wagner. Yeah. And so uh, I know we've been talking a lot about Kai Wagner and the ruling. And mm-hmm. we were all waiting on a Wagner watch of when the official verdict was going to come out. Well, Tuesday it was dropped that Kai Wagner would be suspended three games. The MLS, uh, of course, did go through the process of, you know, listening to all of the dis- the information that, that they could that's around the racial slur that Kai Wagner used towards Bobby Wood that was back on October 28th. Now, Tuesday afternoon, as the league officially announced the decision, they said that he violated the league's anti on-field anti-discrimination policy during game one. And in, they were state they stated in reaching this decision, MLS considered many factors, including Wagner's immediate acceptance of responsibility for the violation, willingness to participate in a restorative practices process to repair the harm caused and his cooperation with the league's investigation. So, of course, the statement started coming out from the league as well as Kai Wagner. Kai Wagner took to Instagram as well and took time to share his own thoughts after the announcement came out. And he said, the last few days have been very difficult for me and my family. I said something I deeply regret in the heat of the moment. That was in response to defend the unacceptable comments regarding my family. I sincerely apologize for this and will work on bettering myself and my actions. This is not a representation of who I am, signed Kai Wagner. Which is interesting because he put it on his Instagram story and makes sure to sign it with his name. But uh, interesting that we have the three-game suspension. The league felt it was fair. Kai did admit in the conversations with the league that he did use a racial slur. So he did take that ownership and accountability. And then, of course, went back and said the statement. Now, in that Instagram story statement does also tiptoe around the fact that Bobby Wood said something about his family that was unacceptable as well. And I, we know the Philadelphia Union were, where did they make that statement? So Tom Bogart put out a That's tweet. That's what it was. And so apparently Kai and the Union were not happy with the, the outcome because there was kind of, I guess like they kind of tippy-toed around the fact that that uh, Bobby brought up his family. Uh, it's it, it, The situation in general is just terrible and it's just a representation of how not to act on a soccer pitch. Emotions happen, but there's just a certain line you don't take. And obviously both of them did cross it. But, you know, we talked about it before, Renee. Like, it looks so bad that this news comes out after the ruling. Like, if this were to come out during yeah. the initial reports, maybe this would have thought about a little bit differently. But when you're bringing this detail out after the fact, it just doesn't look good. It's not a good look. I'm not. A, a, and Eugene Krabs and anybody else inappropriate is not going to like this, but this is the best phrase I can use. I'm not a tit for tat person. Mm-hmm. I do not believe in you say something racial or disrespectful. So I'm going to one up you and try to do the same thing. And to have it come out after the fact that apparently the reason why Kai was so upset at the point that he used a racial slur was in response to a comment about his family. I'm not. I'm not excluding and saying that anything that Bobby Wood said about his family was okay, but I'm also not going to negate the fact that you still use the racial slur. Yeah. And again, like we've talked about on this show, like we've talked about off the show, 
There's never a reason to use any sort of slur, whether it's racial, homophobic, sexist, whatever. There's never any excuse to to go that far. I don't if somebody says something about your family, the typical response is you're cussing them out. You might jump in their face. I would actually have preferred that response. We see him jumping in his face, getting irate and people having to hold him back and almost to the point of fighting. That to me is more of a natural response than someone says something about your family. I'm going to say something racist back. And then I know Eugene Krabs is saying in the chat, it may be unpopular, but you low-key hate the, the, the term. It's been very difficult for me and my family line. How? What's been difficult about this for you? I don't understand. You used a racial slur. How has it been difficult? Waiting? Waiting for the final verdict from the league? Is that what's difficult? He's using that but guilt card a little bit too it's, much. It's there. a guilt card that I don't like because it's, I said something racist to you, but now it's been difficult for me. That doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me. I don't, I don't like that at all. Larry, I don't know what your thoughts are on all this. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty shocked too. Obviously we knew about the investigation and then now we also hear Kai's side of it where Bobby Wood said something towards him. Um, I mean, I've interviewed Bobby Wood before in the past. I've interviewed Kai Wagner in the past, both professional players, um, you know, great to talk to. So again, this whole incident with those two, still really shocked that it occurred on the field, occurred at all. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, too, that I think that, uh, again, it's obviously a big loss for the union now, not having Kai and what could be his last games as a member of the team before he possibly embarks back to Europe or somewhere else in MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and two, I guess uh, I was up maybe even shocked as well just by the the minimal amount of games that Kai got suspended. Because as we've talked about, I mean, yeah. this isn't the first incident of of uh, allegations of racial slurs going on in the league. Dante Van Zier got suspended six matches earlier in the season for the New York Red Bulls. Taxi Fountas eventually got an investigation with DC United, was suspended from team activities, and ultimately just parted ways with the team. So the investigation was never concluded. Um Maybe he did not want to deal with the investigation and everything in the background. Um, but for to me, for Kai, I mean, you know, unless there's something going on in the background that the league obviously knew why Kai said it and and they cut the games to three. But, you know, I, I think that if you're going to hold Dante Van Zier to six games in the regular season and even though it's the playoffs, you give him three. Uh, it's just really hard for me. I mean, we don't know. We don't know what was exactly said and, and how the league looks at it severity wise, but racial slurs, racial slur. It shouldn't be said. Yeah. Like you can't have it. It puts a bad look on the league, bad look on Kai and on the union. Um, and I just think that, you know, Kai is very fortunate that he's not getting more than three games. And, and if he did, you know, leave MLS or if the union do get eliminated before MLS cup, um, let's hope not, but you know, that, that does carry over to next season or if he ever does come back to MLS. So, I mean, it's not like you're, they forget about that stuff. So I do just have one question. I, I think everyone can agree what Kai said was absolutely wrong. He should have not said that. But if the detail was brought up that Bobby did bring up his family in, in a terrible way, then why didn't the league to put, put any like punishment on him either as well? I think the hard part because that it's, their word against each other. Okay. And Bobby obviously immediately told people what was said, mm. had somebody that was nearby. Kai was on his own. To my knowledge, I don't know if Kai told anybody on the union. Obviously. It's a weird situation in general. It is a very weird, like, I don't know if Kai maybe told 
gym or a teammate. Like, this is why I said it. I don't know, obviously, the behind the scenes conversations, but from what we do know and the initial reaction, the video that we can see from the mm-hmm. game, you don't get that vibe that Kai told anybody immediately. Like, Bobby Wood instantly went over and told his teammate the bench. They told the official. The official wrote it down. It was log. It's like anything else. You have to get everything in writing as soon as it happens in order to even remotely have a leg to stand on. So I think that's a big part of it. But I still go back to your point, Larry, of like three, why three games, even if he comes forward and admits guilt, that's a slap on the wrist. And it is the postseason. So there is no guarantee you're going to get three games. And he's most likely not coming back to the MLS next year. You know, I don't know if fines make sense or or something else, but to just give us a three-game suspension doesn't make sense. And what also doesn't make sense is this might be overthinking things on my end, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. And I know we have another segment, but we're gonna we'll wait until next week to get into that because I feel like we need to take some time in these final minutes to un, you know really get into this conversation mm-hmm. around Kai Wagner. But what could Bobby Wood have possibly said? And this is a question I hate to even have to ask, but what could he have possibly said about Kai Wagner's family in that moment? It's Nate Harriel that got fouled. It's a whole other group of people that are involved. Kai Wagner's not even near where VAR is happening. He's at midfield. He's on the far side. He's walking past Bobby Wood. What is Bobby Wood possibly saying to him in that moment? Because I don't remember Kai and Bobby having anything prior to that where they were going back at it, like back and forth. But what is he possibly say? It's a soccer game. We've all been in some like confrontational moments and never yeah. have I said like, screw you and your, and your family and your parents or your wife and your kids. Like, what is it that I like? I know that's not a good way to look at it because it, it actually just does not make sense to me. The way the situation unfolded, the way that the where the spot they're located on the field. And then the fact that he's saying he said something unacceptable about his family. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that possibly what makes sense about that. I'm I don't just, know if either of you have thoughts on that. I'm just going to go off the context off of Omar Gonzalez's comments on the Hercules Gomez podcast. Apparently, they were talking in German leading up to that. Like, there was chirping in German leading up to that. I obviously, like, I don't think anyone could see them chirping before leading up to that exact situation. Mm -hmm. But it, I mean, honest, I mean, obviously, like, nothing could be as bad as for you to result to racism for sure. But apparently, there was some type of chirping in German leading up to it. And that's what makes this difficult, too, because, you know, how many people on that pitch on that night spoke German? Not many. And I did do research on it. Obviously, both of these guys did play in Germany. Bobby Wood, obviously, been around a lot longer than Kai Wagner uh, as a pro. They both played in Germany, but they never actually played against each other. Looking at their times in Mm. Germany, Bobby Wood played for Hanover, um, some other teams as well, uh, Hamburg. Um, Kai Wagner came from third-tier side Wurzburger kickers. Uh, Mm. The only time those two... teams at any they don't point have history anytime they, they played was in a german i believe in a german cup game and looking at their stats they, they were never on the field together they were never actually like kai wasn't in the squad but bobby was or vice versa like they were never playing against each other so i i mean like i could see there is some things that carry over from years and years and may, you know maybe if they played against each other and something happened and this and that um but they never played against each other. They were in the same country as each other yeah. at the same time, but they, they were never playing against each other. And again, that that doesn't give you the right to bring out, you know, racial slurs or, or comments about people's family members. Like it just 
something I, I don't know how it is how it went and and we obviously didn't really get to see it on video at right. all no matter it was the apple tv angle or anything or anything post-match i know jonathan tannenwald obviously had a, a a video breakdown of it um as well but yeah it, it's tough and it's just like again i'm i'm just you know uh, again i'm kind of shocked that kai only got three because if, if as the league if you're trying to get this make sure this stuff never happens in the league and you're yep. going to punish Dante Van Zier for six games. And, and let's not forget the Red Bulls had a lot of negative publicity around that mm -hmm. team at that time. I mean, fans wanted Gerhard Struber out um, because of it, because he left him on the field. He was obviously told about it and continued to leave him on the field during that game against San Jose. A lot of fans didn't go to the games um, after that and kind yeah. of as a retaliation. Yeah. Um, so again, uh, I mean, I know that Kai Wagner isn't Dante Van Zier and, you know, different skill, different player, but again, it just doesn't seem right to me that he only got three. I love Kai Wagner as a player, uh, always great to talk to, but again, the, the, it's just, just not right. Yeah. It's just a very odd situation and it, it's very unnecessary. Yeah. You know, it's like I said earlier, it is just sports. There's no reason why it should get to this point. You're going back and forth. Even if they were chirping as the game was going on, obviously mm -hmm. the revs and the union overall have such a, a budding rivalry and they do not like playing each other. It's always physical. But yeah. even with all that being said, nothing justifies it getting to the point that Bobby Wood makes a comment about your family and you make a racial comment. It's wrong on both sides. And to your question, it is interesting that nothing's been done for Bobby Wood. And I don't know what Giacomo Veroni or anybody else may or may not have heard that Bobby did or did not say. It's, it's all speculatory. There's no camera footage. There's nobody that heard it otherwise. And so now it is literally where it's, Bobby Wood's word versus Kai Wagner's word. Yeah. And that's the tricky part about all of this, but it still doesn't feel to me, it feels like a Band-Aid was put over top of it. Like it doesn't feel like it was fully resolved. And anytime something discriminatory is said, the response is always, I'm going to go educate myself and take time to, you know, work through those practices to be a better person. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's just, it's, it's fluff. It's all this feels very fluffy. And that's where the, for the league specifically, to give out a three-game suspension, I I am a union fan, but I'm also very much anti-racism or anti anything like that, Amen. and that out that definitely outweighs any sports fandom. And I can say and admit for Kai Wagner, it should have been harsher. Yeah. That is a slap on the wrist, and then you do come out with the statement, and now the union and, and Kai are upset, saying more should have been done for Bobby Wood. No, how about you just don't make a racist a racist comment in the first place, and you don't have these issues. Don't be don't take it that far that you're saying something racial because we don't have these, we don't have these issues. Yeah. Someone says something about your family. You go back at them with something else inappropriate. There's plenty of other things you can say inappropriate that are not discriminatory. So it just, to me is a lot and it's the hoopla is unnecessary and it did not, we should not be having this conversation. It should not have gotten to this point at all. You know what it seems like it's uh after game one, Bobby automatically reported this. That's the other thing. And then once, you know, the investigation comes to Kai and they're asking Kai, did you say this? He then goes on, oh, well, he started talking crap about my family. So that's kind of what it, it does seem like. And and I, I want to like, obviously, like we all know what Kai did and we all know the wrongdoing. But like looking at this as a soccer player here in Philly, where history's not that deep, Kai literally week ago was you know had the praises of the fans he was you know a, a king amongst these fans mm -hmm. it was pay kai and now because of his decision here everyone's ready for him to go 
And you talk about that bandied. I mean, like, yeah, they should have just gave him the rest of the, the, the suspension for the rest of the playoffs, no matter how long the playoffs last year for the union, he's done for the rest of the year. And, and obviously he's not gonna come back next year, but this really puts a damper on what could have been a potential wall of fame player because of Kai's dumbass decision that he made here. That's a good point. Instead of quantifying it as three game suspension, it really should have just been an end of the year suspension. I, like you're done. You're not playing any more games because that makes it seem like you're not caring about the game specifically. You're he's done. Yeah. You're you, you know, you're not traveling with the team. I obviously did not travel with the team. You're not traveling with the team. You're not playing. You're not suiting up. You're done. Yeah. Like that's a type of stuff that to me at least sounds more author authoritative that you're actively trying to put in some sort of repercussion for the comments versus it being we're in the middle of the playoffs and we have to get this done. So here's three games that you're going to sit out. And let's move on. Yeah. You know, yeah. what are we, what are you actually doing? What conversations are actually being had? You know, are we just going to have this post and now we're not going to talk about it anymore because you guys, the MLS released a statement, Kai released a statement. The union didn't release a statement, did they? Not an I official like, ass, like racism it. statement. After the investigation, I think they did, but you're right. The initial yeah. report, there really wasn't now much, I think about much it. of a statement at all from them. And and I mean, like, look, I, I do hope that this is a learning lesson, not only for Kai, but also for the Philadelphia Union as well. But it, it was absolutely terrible. Um, I, I don't want to, I hate to, to move on with, with talking about a sponsor, but we do want to end off here with FOCO, guys, ladies and gentlemen. Our sponsor here, FOCO, our leading manufacturer of sports entertainment and merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and much more. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, for non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. Again, that's PHLY for 10% off. Make sure you guys check out FOCO, and thank you to our sponsor, FOCO. Well, just oh, like man. that, our hour has uh, flown by. It always does. The show moves so quickly. Definitely a good talk. Very interesting. Um, you know, it's wild that here we are. The Philadelphia Union did win. They're advancing. They're headed to the Eastern Conference semifinals. You know, obviously, we got the official verdict on Kai Vogg this week. It's been quite a, like, it's Thursday. It's been quite a couple of days here talking around the Philadelphia Union. But now we have plenty of days to yes. talk about the Philadelphia Union because their next game... 18, 17, 18 days before the Philadelphia Union play again. So uh, literally after Thanksgiving, we'll, we'll be seeing more soccer. Um, plenty of time to, we're going to have some uh, fun here on the show the next couple weeks. We're going to be able to talk through a little bit more, uh, have some unique, interesting segments for you guys. So lots for us to be able to talk through, have fun with, kind of kick back and relax before the next game. It's insane to think about in the month of November, the Union are going to play essentially two games but you know from from the first game yesterday in november and to the next game to like november 25th, and then who knows 26th. what would happen after that but <laughs> here we are guys so plenty more to come here on phoi union podcast as we continue to talk about adjustments tweaks of course there will be more news breaking out we'll be continuing to follow the injury updates around julian carranza jacob glassness much more here. Larry's going to continue dropping some great articles. JP and I will continue bringing you content outside the show as well. So make sure you're following us. Hit that subscribe, that yes. like button. Join us in the comments live on YouTube. Uh, we will be back on Monday for our show as well as next Thursday. You can also always listen across podcast platforms to our show, anywhere you catch your podcast. We welcome all of you, whether you're Eugene Krabs or Adam Hurley making some wild comments in the chat or Lorne. <laughs> 
Um, I think we had earlier, I'm trying to remember some of the names that we had. Travman, Julian, Julian HC, uh, everybody that's joined us here today. Thank you for joining us live. Jose, we appreciate every single one of you. And we'll see you back on Monday for more Union Conversation. Have a fantastic weekend. And we'll see you next time, guys. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. <laughs>